0: Hello, welcome to another Two Paychecks
1: Podcast, and with this episode, we'll be talking to Pluto, who's been working on a campaign to save the Mattole Forest in California. The Mattole Forest is one of the last of the old-growth forests, and it's in danger of being logged and destroyed by the Humboldt Redwood Company. So that's a campaign that's been
2: going around since
1: the 90s, and they've done everything from community organizing to blockades on logging roads to stop it from being logged and battles far from over but they're not stopping until the forest is safe so right now you can hear all about it and at the end there will be some information in case you want to get involved so let's go okay Okay. so you're um you're pluto you've been doing activism around the Matoll forest and uh, blockades right
3: yeah, how's it going?
1: Oh, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good.
3: Um, yeah, I'm I'm Pluto. I've been uh, organizing with the Save the Matole Ancient Forest campaign. been um, off since 2014, and um, yeah, it's been an interesting, pretty eventful year, and um, so I'm excited talk to y'all
1: about it on the show <laughs> okay well well tell us a little bit like i mean i know that something went down today that we wanted to get into as far as legislation around the road and everything but first of all can you tell us a little bit about just the Matol forest why it needs to be protected um what it what it looks like maybe a little bit just to tell us a little bit about what you're trying to save and what the campaign's about
3: yeah, sure. Um, so the Matoll Forest is um, it's one of the most beautiful, wild places I have ever been to. Um, it is the largest remaining unprotected old-growth Douglas fir area in the state of California. Um, so the forest we're working to protect is actually in the headwaters of the Matoll River Um, It's on the Lost Coast, if people are familiar with California. It's one of the most geologically unstable areas in the country. Hmm. This is one of the reasons why it wasn't developed. It's one of the biggest coastal regions in the country that doesn't have development because of this geological instability. And so that definitely plays into um, some stuff we'll talk about later, but... What's so precious about this forest that we are working to protect is, um, it's an old-growth ecosystem. It is old-growth Douglas firs and giant madrone trees, uh, tan oak, canyon live oak. It's a mixed forest, and this area is considered—it's um, the fog belt to the redwoods. Yeah. So. Okay. The area we're working to protect is um, directly connected to Humboldt Redwood State Park, yeah. which contains some of the tallest redwood trees, some of the tallest trees in the world, actually. So anyway, it this is a really sensitive ecosystem that we're working to protect because it has this local and global significance. Um, if they log it, it would create a ripple effect, a desert effect, and the redwoods are already suffering. Um, So there's a lot of global significance of why we're working to protect this area. Um, People have actually been doing direct action in this area since 1998 to protect this forest because it is so precious. So there's a lot at stake, and um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible, wild place. Something that I, I yeah very dear to my heart. Uh,
2: national. It's national park, right? The national park. The the um, uh, the what is it called? The Matol. The Matol River goes up into the Redwood National Park, right? Uh
3: no. So the forest we're working to protect is the headwaters of the of the Matol River. Yeah. And that's directly adjacent to Humboldt Redwood State Park.
2: Oh, state park.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like yeah, where so the Avenue connect- of the
2: Giants and stuff is, right? That exactly. Yeah,
3: connected yeah. ecosystem, and that's a good area to. That's a good way to give people kind of a geological understanding of where we are. Yeah. Um. It's also right above the um the the King Range, conservation area.
2: Right. So why um, were those yeah. other areas turned into parks and conservation areas, and then not this one?
3: Uh. Yeah. That's a great question. So actually. In the 90s, people were working to protect the Matoll Forest while also working to protect the Redwoods, and there were a lot of direct action campaigns. Over 200, 300 people over the course of 20 years have been out there in the Matoll to protect this forest. And um, one of the interesting things about it, um, local environmentalists call the Matoll Forest the hole in the headwaters which if you're familiar with the headwaters deal uh, that came out of redwood, came out of like years and years of tree sitting and direct action. And then in 1998, Congress protected, I think something like 8,000 acres of mostly old growth redwoods. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, yeah. but when they were negotiating that deal, The mottol actually came was was part of that discussion, and then that area was kind of given to the timber industry as a concession in order to protect this other redwood grove. So that's why a lot of people call it the sacrifice zone.
0: They call it the hole in the
3: headwaters because no one was... As people I've talked to, and I wasn't around during that time, but people that I've talked to, the the headwaters deal was not... um, it wasn't enough. It wasn't nearly enough, and it wasn't very satisfying. And a lot of areas were sacrificed in order to protect that 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 area.
2: Okay. Um.
3: Yeah. So that. So. Um. And then there. And then to get into more history, this area that we're working to protect was originally owned by Pacific Lumber, uh, Pacific Lumber, Maxam, Palco. There, those names are often used interchangeably. But oh, okay. They were they were off they were trying to um, they were going out there and pretty much liquidating the forest and um, doing awful clear cutting and so that's when people went out there to the matoll to
1: now Ron what year was this again the, the 90s
3: uh, yeah so action started happening uh, um, out on Longridge, which is where we are now, in 1998. Wow. Okay, and there were we tree sets and road blockades and lockdowns, and I think there was, like, a bus out there at one point. Um, they did all sorts of awesome, badass stuff to save that forest. And as a result of that, and I feel really grateful to those people that were out there, because as a result of that, a lot of those precious forests out there are still standing.
1: Nice. And is there currently a blockade, or is...
3: Um. So we had a blockade last summer in 2017. It went up at the end of May, and then it went until October. And so that was like a five-month-long blockade. We wound up taking it down because... We were able to open dialogue with the company. They said they weren't going to log till the end of the year, the end of 2017. And then it's been snowing out there, really beautiful, incredible weather out there. And
2: um, yeah, you got right all your people are, in, people, are woods, people
3: are in the woods. People are in the woods. People are holding it down, um, but using other tactics, not, road, not blockading the road at this
1: time. Okay. So there are people on the ground out there. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. What kind of things yeah. are they doing? If that's okay to ask.
3: Um. Right now, people are just trying to monitor to to make sure that the company is not going out there and fucking things up. Um, and we're 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 kind of um in this limbo state. We're we're kind of on call because we're concerned about this new road that they proposed to go in.
2: Right, so the new road uh, goes between where you're at and what, Rainbow Ridge to Long Ridge? Is that the road you're talking about?
3: Yeah, so basically what happened was in October, after we had this successful blockade, they weren't able to get out there the whole season to log. Um, And then also in 2014, we had a, a similar successful blockade, and they weren't able to get out there and log. So. I think as a result of that, the company is just kind of like, they're sick of it. They're like, fuck this. We want to get out there because there's a lot of valuable timber out there. Like I said, it's old growth, so there's a lot of money. They see a lot of dollar signs. They want to get out there. So um, that's when they filed this major amendment to build a new logging road. It would essentially be like a redundant logging road to go around the blockade and future blockades. Uh, this is problematic for a lot of different reasons. They want the proposed road is going to go right through a really steep meadow prairie. It's it's already it's very landslide prone. Like I said, it's an incredibly geologically unstable area, and um, they want to punch this road through the hillside. They'd have to excavate this hillside and then. They'd also have to uh, demolish this incredible grove of bay laurel. It's like old growth bay laurels and um, a really some giant canyon live oaks. And they're in this bedrock of this giant boulder that the company wants to quarry. And apparently, we found out through this process we found out that they were actually looking into quarrying this rock in 2014. I guess there's some economic uh, incentive for them to do that. But it is, I mean, they would just destroy this area. Um, directly below is an, a really epic old growth grove um, in the headwaters of Sulphur Creek, which that area was an area that people sought to protect in the late 90s and 2000s. In fact, there's still, you, can, you know, there's some giant, giant, Douglas fir trees down there that are still marked from from the Palco days. They still have the, you know, the cut line, but they're still standing today because of people's brave actions, putting their, their bodies on the line to protect that forest. So
0: nice.
3: um, so there's a lot at stake. So, you know, so now that forest is also in threat again. And um, it's a concern that they want to go in there because they're they've also expressed that now they want to file more THPs to go deeper into the wild, into unentered stands of, of forests that have, have never been logged before. So um, the community is pretty outraged when they found out about it. And uh, there's been a lot of um, local community resistance stepping up to hold the company accountable and to call them out. They're having some issues with the approval process because of this because a lot of people have come out and they're exposing you know basically how ridiculous it is
1: right and so this road there was legislation on it today right I mean is that correct
3: um, so they yeah so what's been going on is like I said they filed in October and then they were supposed to come to a decision two few months ago, and then they keep filing for extensions. And then we found out yesterday that they filed, that, the, that HRC um, filed for another extension um, until April 13th. Wow. I think it's because they're afraid that they're going to get rejected. Right. Because they are being required to prove the need for a redundant road, and I don't know how they're going to prove that. So they keep it, ex- they keep extending. So we just found out yesterday that they delayed it again.
2: again. And we definitely
3: had some false alarms because it's really stressful because, you know, we're all on call. We all love that area a lot. And, you know, of course, we don't want to see a road go through there. So people are really concerned. People are really worried. And, um... It's definitely stressful to to be in this lim- limbo state, this unknown.
2: State. Right, like keep to keep sounding the alarms and stuff, and then it's like oh, another false yeah. alarm.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so can you tell us a little bit about the people who are are doing it? It's it's um it's like you know activist types who have been concerned about old growth and protecting wildland for and then like it's like people local people too as well right
3: yeah so we're in a pretty mixed group um a lot of tree huggers a lot of yeah people in the community and um there's a there there's people that we're working with that have been working to protect this area for 20 years that's how sacred it is that's how special it is I mean when you go out there it it kind of, that's a place that just, I've heard so many people say this, and I've i have had this experience myself. It's a place where it just, like, takes your breath away, and, it, you know, it has my heart, the matole and I've heard a lot of other people say the same thing. Yeah, and it's really wild. It's so rare to find those wild places this day and age, the way the Earth has been so ravaged and developed. Um, and this is an area that has remained, for the most part, been able to survive capitalism and re- remain wild in many ways. It's miles and miles and miles away from the nearest um, road or highway. Um, it's super remote, so it's incredibly quiet. It really is like going to another world. It- it's like traveling back in time the way i seeing how nature could be if it was allowed to
2: thrive yeah the lost coast
0: mm-hmm.
1: well can you give us like um any stories about sort of being out there maybe just like connecting with nature or something like that just like after all these this time out there to just kind of give people idea of what it's like like maybe wildlife or something like that
3: oh well um yeah i have a lot of stories but Since you mentioned wildlife, I'll say a story that I'm excited about. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) other people would be spooked, but we were out there. I was out there with, with some folks in, I guess it was January, February, and it was a huge snowstorm, incredibly beautiful. That place is really beautiful in the snow. We were camped in our little spot, and then the next morning, woke up and someone goes out. And they see, like, not even maybe three or four feet away from our camp, there's some cat tracks,
0: oh, big yeah. ones,
3: like, walk right by our camp. Definitely was checking us out. It, and then we noticed that it followed our footsteps all the way. <laughs>
0: Whoa, you're getting <laughs> all stuck. The way
3: down. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. I was really excited about it. Um, you know, we, we definitely know that there's... Um, Uh, there's mountain lions out there people have have had other encounters over the years and i imagine that this mountain lion probably walked that way all the time but we just didn't know until we got to see the 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 tracks in the snow and i was really excited (laughs) so that was kind of cool and that's just like a good story to show how wild it is
2: that is such yeah. a cool aspect of, of the winter season too, with the, like fresh snow, and you get to see all those tracks.
3: Mhm. Yeah. There's a lot of bo- we saw a lot of bobcat tracks yeah.
2: too,
3: and um, big hares and all sorts of stuff. Really fun. Although we have to be careful with our own tracks. The snow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there? So you're also, I imagine, working um, on. Finding endangered species and things like that to possibly protect it? Is that something, an action you're taking?
3: Um, We do do a lot of sort of like ground truthing and observation. Yeah, we know that there's a lot of spotted owl out there, there's golden eagle nests out there, the agaricon mushroom has been found out there, and that's a pretty um, important mushroom for the medical world. Yeah, the agaricon been, is
2: medicinal, right? Yeah,
3: like a, so that that's out there, too. People have taken samples of those.
2: And agaricon only grows in old growth, I think, right?
3: I'm pretty
0: sure, yeah. yeah.
1: And, like, what kind of work is just always needing to be done out there? I guess I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but...
3: Yeah, I mean, just having more eyes out there is certainly helpful and more people in the woods is always gonna be helpful. We can always use more help. We love to have the company and if people wanna come join us, it's it's incredibly fun. It's definitely to, to be out there in that woods, it's unfortunately it's definitely um, a physical feat. So it's, it definitely requires some able-bodiedness just to get to the road itself. Um, there's a few different ways to hike in, but it's a, about 10 miles to hike in. Mm. And it's definitely a strenuous hike. We hike all our food in wow. and gear, And um, thankfully, there's still fresh water out there that we can drink from the spring. So we don't have to hike in water. Yeah, um, It's definitely pretty intense but super rewarding
1: right and and do you encounter like logging or people out there messing around is that a common thing or is that I mean ba- you're there um, basically just to be on the ground and making sure that everything it's not happening right
3: yeah exactly so when we had the block, blockade up um, they weren't able to get through so essentially it, it creates like a free state um if you want to call it that basically what we what happens when we have the blockade because there's only one access point when we can cut off that access point it actually liberates 18,000 acres of wildlands. so if you can imagine that's pretty incredible place to be
2: yeah, wow. Well, yeah, that that one road is the only access into that
3: exactly that zone. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So last summer they were logging further down the road, and in twenty fourteen we watched another clear cut happen on a, on a different ridge from the road. That was pretty heartbreaking. And then they have some security guards that have been lurking. They're still lurking now and they were lurking all summer. Those are private hired security guards that aren't big fans of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
2: So the humble Redwood Company has its own goon squad.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it's um they hire out, so it's it's called Lear Securities, I believe. And the they're like ex military guys. Yeah. Actually, in October, they went. They kind of went rogue. Because the thing is, the <laughs> company has this PR policy where they they want to keep their groovy image, so they don't want.
2: Oh, is that right? But, th-
3: yeah, so they they don't want they they want people in the community to think that they're the the nice guy lo that the, right. they're the the friendly logging company.
2: The friendly. So they said public.
3: Of- yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. So they've 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 public made public statements that they weren't going to extract tree sitters, and also that they they also said that they weren't going to log old growth, which
0: yeah. is a blatant
3: lie. Um, yeah. So, but we we try to use the things that they say, hold them to the fire because they've proven all of those things to be just words, and they don't and their actions aren't backing them up. So, for an exa- for example. In the October of last year, we put up, um, when we found out about the new road proposal, of course, we were super pissed <laughs> and freaked out. We set up, so we set up another, I think this was like, I think it was like the fifth tripod we set up that summer. We got really into building, I guess. And um, so we set up, another tripod at a different choke point further down the road where the new road would have would is proposed to come in. So the security guards were just doing their patrolling I guess and they had to get through there were like maybe three or four pretty big slash piles that they had to get through before they got to us. And I think by the time they got to us, they were so pissed. They were definitely probably really exhausted because they had
0: to
3: um, get a lot of rocks out of the road. And um, by the time they got to us, uh, they were, like, not having it. And so we had the tripod in the road, and then there was somebody perched in the nest in the tripod, and then it was attached to the neighboring Doug Furs right there. But the way that we rig our tripods, you know, they have a lot of, like, slash and rocks in the at the base for ballast, you know. And yeah. that, that's kind of a essential component for the safety. And the security guards just got out. They got out of their truck. They didn't say anything. They just started dismantling the pod.
2: With, um, with someone up on top of it.
3: With somebody in it yeah and they just started taking taking stuff out to start starting to take it down and okay, so uh, hold
1: on, on let me would. I was like gonna have you set like say that kind of explain what the tripod is to somebody that might not know a- after but like I think right now I need to explain so how like how a tripod works, so like people have a better idea of what it might what what what's going on. Can you talk totally. about totally
3: yeah, so um I, the way we rig our tripods, it's like three sturdy fur poles that we set up in the road to, to block the road and then we rig it with rope and and then usually someone will there always be somebody in it. I guess I should explain the way we had the way the blockade was held for the whole summer was actually a more complex, tripod because the way it was set up was there's a tripod in the road and then from the apex of the tripod there's a rope that connects like 200 300 feet down below valley above a valley and then it's tied into an old growth duck fur in one of the first units and then on that line about 200 feet down the line, we put a, like a, like a, we call it a sky pod or sky net. It's like a little triangle net that somebody lives in. And it's super dreamy, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just, you're down there sitting in the net and, um, just basking in the old growth and floating in the sky. I love it. i um,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, you
3: know it's just a time for peace and quiet and solitude i i find that time to be really uh, precious and sacred for me so i definitely enjoy it but anyway that that person's life their safety their safety to the tripod in the road so if that tripod gets fucked with that person that person's life is at, at risk
2: right because and then um, how do you, des- you descend into the tripod
3: uh we uh uh, climb there's a few different ways yeah
2: yeah so you have like your own safety line so like if that line were to get cut from the tripod then you would still have another like emergency line oh you wouldn't okay
3: no that's the whole point of the tripod yeah is that the life is based on that uh, is is on it and um you know it's it's basically this tactic and this is like a pretty, a pre, has a pretty long history of like nonviolent direct action is based on the assumption that the people, if they even though they're not valuing the forest, even though clearly they don't care about the the health of the forest, we would have to assume that they, if for no other reason than legal reasons, that they ha- that they would um, consider the life of a human being. So. That's how
2: that works. Right, okay. You'd think so. You.
3: Yeah, well, <laughs> right. they've, they've, they've definitely um, proven otherwise in, in a few instances. Right, which was yeah. the
1: story where... So can we bring you back to that? That should bring us right back to where, where you were talking about where they started taking one down a tripod before I made made you explain what the tripod was. Yeah.
3: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, so can you get back to that story? Because it was it's pretty exciting.
3: <laughs> um... Yeah. So, yeah, now I'm thinking of another story too. (laughs)
1: Well, we've got time. (laughs)
3: Um, How was I saying it? Oh, yeah. So, basically, the security guards were just like started taking stuff apart and they weren't even acknowledging the presence of the human beings that were there. Um, There was a person on the ground when they first got there that was trying to explain the safety implications of the tri- of the tripod and they were trying to explain how they were putting at risk this person's life and they were the security guards were pretending that these people weren't even there the person in the pod was totally freaked out because it was really scary because there was it was like there was no way they just were not engaging and so eventually after it, it 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 basically they escalated it to a point where it was a really scary thing, and um, eventually people on the ground had to like sit down on top of the pod legs so that they wouldn't be able to take any more apart. And and thankfully because of that, then they stopped and they realized they weren't getting anywhere. So eventually they left and, um, we got that on video, which was pretty good. So then we put that out to the community and the community was totally outraged because it totally exposed how HRC is, you know, their PR policy is exactly that. It's just a PR policy, but on the ground, they're not living up to what they're saying. And, um, they definitely put a person's life at risk with those actions and, um, it was totally irresponsible.
2: Where so, but
3: actually oh. as a result of it, we were able to open dialogue with the company because, oh. um, and that's, and because of that action, that's when they said, Oh, actually, okay, okay, okay. We're not going to log for the rest of the year.
2: <laughs> oh okay. wow. So yeah, yeah. That, that was the decision to not log through 2017, but, um, have they have have they done any logging now since, in the beginning of twenty eighteen? Uh, no, hmm.
3: not in that area.
2: Nowhere in the Long Ridge area, right?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, where can people find that video, <laughs> if they want to see um, that? Um,
3: it's on our really fun Instagram. Okay. Page. It's blockade. Babes.
2: Blockade. Babes.
3: Yeah, and also it's on our Facebook. I think. Okay. Um save the Matoles ancient forest Facebook.
1: Yeah. Cool. Uh yeah, can you give us a, can you give us the other story? These are kind of the I think that like you know, when you talk about stuff this gets people angry and makes them want to get involved. So, yeah.
0: Yeah,
3: I mean it's interesting because you know, for the most part it's really chill out there. But <laughs> yeah it's it's I guess it's either on or off right.
0: um
3: but in 2014 yeah so in 2014 we when we we set up a similar road blockade in the same spot and it was the same it was rigged the same way like with the tripod in the road and then attached to a skynet yeah so basically what happened was um we set that up and. few days later wound up getting raided by the Humboldt County Sheriff, who was accompanied by um, a handful of HRC employees, including one of the head foresters. And um, yeah, it was really intense. The Humboldt County Sheriff Department is pretty notorious for um, being, I would say, pretty aggressive and abusive with towards um, activists, specifically forest defense activists, often because they're in the woods and there isn't video camera and there aren't people around, so they get away with doing a lot of fucked up shit. Um, And so when they raided at that time, um, I was there in the road trying to be the... So the thing is, is, when you're in the pod, because you're so far down you can't actually speak for yourself because you need to scream at the top of your lungs. We often will communicate with radio, um, like walkie talkies or whatever. But, um, you know, the person the pod to be heard, they have to be screaming really loud. And if there's any kind of wind, you really can't hear anything that they're saying. So it's really necessary for there's some to be always somebody there at all times to be that spokesperson for the pod um, yeah. to make sure that people understand the the like severity of of the situation and uh it was kinda it was kind of scary so now I'm getting my heart rate's going <laughs> yeah. up. Um so they they ran out the you know, the sheriffs ran out and pretty much immediately started shaking on the lifeline and um One of them wound up pulling out a knife and threatening to cut it and told me that, you know, if if that person dies, like, that blood would be on my hands. Oh,
2: not uh, on his. (laughs) The one with the knife in his hand.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, HRC, uh, like, the Head forester and a bunch of other people were standing right there watching it happen. Um, I was already in handcuffs at that time. And uh, but just kept like trying to express the that that was a lifeline that somebody's life was on that line, and um, thankfully that doesn't happen a lot. And that was like,
2: like those are the hours I, I, I guess I mean?
3: yeah yeah that, yeah, and usually it's just like sitting around waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. But
3: I guess the reason I share those stories is because. I think it's really important to really show the world who HRC really is. Um, You know, they want to, like I said, they want to come off as this uh, so-called sustainable eco groovy corporation that is like a friendly logging company that works with the community that doesn't extract tree sitters. These are the same company that, um, you know, when they, acquired this land, they actually went up to some, you know, there was a, some disputes going on at the time and they actually went out there and they were like, Hey, you guys can come down. We're not going to log old growth anymore. And then like less than 10 years, sure enough, they file, um, in, in 2012, they wound up filing the largest old-growth timber harvest plan that Humboldt County's seen in the last 16 years. So they're not living up to the image that they want people to believe, even though they they try it, you know, for the most part, they're hands-off with us as activists out there, um, and they haven't tried to extract anybody or anything like this. But And so that's definitely, we use that to our advantage, but... Um, we don't know what's to come. Um, clearly, from this road proposal, they're definitely like losing patience with us. And like I said, there's a lot of money at stake, so they want to get their their greedy hands on it.
2: Oh, there! So there was also some um, herbicides being sprayed. Can you explain that a little bit? Why? Uh, what is the purpose of these herbicides?
3: Yeah. So. Um, HRC uses, and a lot of the timber companies in the area use this practice called um, hack and squirt. Basically, what that entails.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, did you say hack and squirt?
3: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, yeah, hack and squirt.
2: <laughs> wait, what is that? That's the name of the chemical, the herbicide? No. Or, or that's the tactic? The
3: herbicide that, the, that's the tactic <laughs> okay. that they use to apply this herbicide. Um, I don't know if that's an industry term or what, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's essentially a good description of what they do because basically these corporations consider hardwoods like the Madrones, the Tan Oaks, the Canyon Lion Books, any kind of hardwood they are considering to be unmarketable. Uh-huh. And right now the the global market, the I guess the where the money's at is all in softwoods. So what they are trying to do is they want to convert these native forests into tree farms.
2: Right. Okay. Um,
3: so for them, it's cheaper to go out and herbicide all the hardwood and then convert oh, these forests. So, unfortunately, oh,
0: that's yeah. Disgusting. So oh yeah,
3: and then so the prac the way they do that is they'll hack into the the trunk at the base of the tree. They'll they'll like do it. they'll hack into it. And then they apply this herbicide right into the trunk and it will effectively kill the tree and leave a dead tree standing. The chemical that they use, it's a proprietary blend, but it's, um, mostly a Mazapure, which is a known hormone disruptor
0: Mm -hmm. and, um,
3: incredibly toxic. And, uh, yeah, last, I guess last year, HRC sprayed approximately four thousand pounds of a massive And and um, it's uh, unfortunately last spring before we had the blockade up. They were able to go. They went out there and they herbicided. They they hack and squirted one hundred and eighty acres of an unentered forest. And that was really heartbreaking because um, it was it was just a wild mixed forest that's never been logged, and they just went out there and, and decimated it. Wow. So that was a pretty heartbreaking thing to
0: see.
2: And so they pack these trees with this herbicide. The tree falls, and then the what does the herbicide just get into the ground soil, like the groundwater, the soil? A I mean they
3: say that it doesn't, they say that it just stays in the tree, but right, I don't know right. how that is possible.
2: Like as the tree um, decomposes and stuff and
3: Yeah, you know, totally. You know, I mean life, it's totally it? toxic to the environment. I don't know how it could not be.
2: And isn't that even kind but of that's
3: totally legal. That that yeah. is totally legal. They don't even need to they don't even need to inform the public about it. They can just go out there and, and just do it whenever they want.
2: And is that because they, do they own the land or is it owned by like the Bureau of Land Management or something?
3: Um, Yeah, so the way it works in California is a little bit different than Oregon and Washington. Because in California, it's mostly privately privately owned timberlands. Mm -hmm. So this is technically speaking, this is considered, and I'm using air quotes here, we can't see, this is considered private land. Okay. It's owned by Humboldt Redwood Company,
0: yeah,
3: okay. um, which also owns Mendocino Redwood Company, and um, the owners of these corporations is actually the Fisher family. That's the same family that owns the Gap,
0: the, the Gap, Banana <laughs> oh,
3: really? Republic, Old Navy. Yeah, I mean th- we're dealing with some some really evil,
0: <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, some really evil entities here. And um combined HRC and MRC, that's Mendocino Redwood Company, combined they own like four hundred and forty thousand acres of forests in this region. Just in those two and counties. In in those two counties, yeah. Uh, and actually historically privately owned more redwood forests than any other entity ever has huh. in California. So
0: incredibly
2: problematic. And, um well, I was gonna ask, like, so what? Uh, what does the future hold? What What do you see happening in the next six months as the season uh, opens up? Yeah, what do you, What do you think is gonna happen? When When did you say the um, decision is being postponed again? Until?
3: So the the decision on the road has been delayed until April thirteenth.
2: April thirteenth. And.
3: I wouldn't be surprised if they delay it again.
2: At that, at this point, so, it seems. Yeah.
3: At this point, that seems to be the um, the pattern that's been going on. So.
2: They're just trying but, to wear uh, you guys down and wait you out, basically.
3: It's what it feels like. It's pre- it's definitely exhausting, and it's definitely using a lot of our resources to just like be on, kind of like feeling on call all the time is pretty. It's pretty like draining,
0: yeah,
2: I imagine,
3: but yeah, so yeah, I don't know how it's gonna go. I don't know how the next you know the rest of the year is gonna play out. What I do know is that there's a lot of people that love that forest that are dedicated to protect it in in any way possible, so I can say with certainty that there definitely will continue to be direct action out there um, to protect that forest. And uh, people are going to, we're going to keep living out there until it's permanently protected.
2: And that's for, the for end me, game, right? me
3: personally, that's the end game. Personally, I would like to see it out of the hands of all timber corporations. I'd like to see that area to be permanently protected for the ecological significance that it is
2: Right. And are there any, um, proposals to like, I don't know, say, I mean, how many different strategies could you use to go about, uh, protecting it? Would you, you know, could you expand the Humboldt State Park or, um, would it be like its own designation or like, I don't know. Are people trying to work on that on the legal end?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, people are. I can't really speak to that because that's like not the nature of our group. Yeah. But there are people in the community that are like doing other avenues, legal avenues and trying to work on ways to to protect that forest. us. So, the, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot going on. There's definitely a lot of community involvement. and. Um, cool. Yeah.
0: So
2: you feel pretty you feel I, pretty supported by the community in general?
3: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, the community of the Matoll itself is really um it's pretty incredible. I mean, that area was really devastated by the timber industry.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: it completely wreaked havoc on their watershed and for the past like thirty years now there's been people in the community trying to restore the rivers, trying to get the salmon back and um they've been really dedicated to clean up the mess that these corporations left and as a result they've been actually really successful and there are salmon coming back in the Matole that haven't been seen there in 40 years so cool. that's a huge exciting thing that a huge accomplishment that people have been working on
1: yeah yeah that's great well i imagine you could use all the help you could get out there, right? So, uh, what if for someone listening to this podcast that wants to help, what could they do? Like, if they wanted to, could they come out there and do some work?
3: Yeah, we would love to have more people out here. Um, that would be awesome. We'd love to meet you. Um, you can. We have an email. You can email us at matolactioncamp@riseup.net. Camp at RiseUp.net. And then that's the other thing. We're going to be having an action. We're going to be hosting an action camp in the end of May, uh, May 24th to the 27th. That's going to be in Southern Humboldt. And if people want to join us, they can also email us at Camp at risa.net.
1: Okay. So now what, is, what does that uh, entail actually in action camp?
3: Um, we're just. It's just going to be a few days of like, we'll do climb trainings. And workshops on ground truthing and map reading, and we'll do probably do a a NVDA training, and it's just a a a great time for getting to know people, meeting people, and um, learning from each other, learning skills, and um, trying to we're trying to build a movement. So it's really fun. We had one in January, and It was awesome. A lot of people came out that were really incredible um, people that gave me a lot of hope and inspiration for for growing the movement. So, yeah, it's really fun. It's like a little camp out with your friends for a few days, and we're going to just be strategizing on how we can improve our tactics and how we can keep protecting that place
1: nice right on okay yeah well uh we'll make sure that we get all that information up too so that people when they click on this they can find out where to go but um what for people who can't necessarily come out there what can they do to help you out um i'm sure or somebody that wants to donate i don't know anything that you think people can can do to help can you let us know
3: oh yeah um like, say,
1: somebody that yeah just can't make it out, of course, because of a job or something.
3: Definitely. I guess I'll say, even though we're actively trying to dismantle capitalism, we're still trying to survive in it. We could use money. We can always use money. Um, we could use fo- food donations. Yeah, a, a, you know, another great way to support is just getting the word out. A lot yeah. of people don't know that this is going on. A lot of people think that the timber wars are over.
0: Right. A lot
3: of people think that cutting old growth is illegal, which it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a misperception that the timber companies want people to have. But the real reason that people have that perception is mostly because they've logged most of it. And so I think it's really, really important for us, for more people to learn about this issue, to get the word out, to, tell their friends and to just make more people aware of it. That's a huge help for sure. Yeah. We could use more publicity.
2: Well, We're trying. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: That's why I'm happy to be on your show. Thanks.
1: So, yeah. And so you have uh, Instagram, which is?
3: It's uh, blockade.babes.
1: Blockade.babes. Instagram.
3: And there's a lot of dreamy photos on there. Of the blockade itself, and of that beautiful forest, so that's a really good one. And then we have Facebook. Um, it's our it's um, Save the Matolls Ancient Forest is our Facebook name.
1: Okay, that gives some people some places to come and go and like look for y'all and see what they can do to get involved. I'm really glad you came on the show
2: yeah thanks for um, thanks for talking to us.
1: yeah telling us some exciting stories and it's really great to hear that you've held this down for so long and yeah. i kind of want to come out and see it myself i
2: know me too
3: yeah you guys should come out this summer it's super fun yeah yeah you're definitely welcome it would be a, lo- it would be a blast to have you
1: okay <laughs> well thank you thank you so much pluto and uh good luck well, good luck to you and, uh, yeah
3: thanks the forest yeah yeah thanks so much for having me
2: okay oh well, yeah right on take care
0: alright
3: okay bye
2: bye two paychecks podcast could
1: be found on SoundCloud YouTube and iTunes oh